This is the Watershed Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community of Heart of White Ministries, located near the sandy beaches of Lake Michigan in the city of Holland. We gather on Sunday mornings to study the Bible and learn what it teaches. Join us and discover the scriptures for yourself. Good to see you all this morning. We're uh, continuing along in a series in Matthew, the book of Matthew. Uh, we're looking at the New Testament in general. We're, we're looking at the birth of Christ to the birth of the church. Over the last few weeks, if I could kind of sum up where we've been, we've been talking about discipleship. Uh, I've been using this definition. Mark, uh, who was with us last week, uh, use the definition as well, uh, just reminding you that when we talk about discipleship, it means to be found in and formed by Jesus as we follow him. To be found in and formed by Jesus as we follow him. Christ invites us into his life. He invites us into his kingdom. And we've been talking about that a little bit. We're in Matthew 5 today. We are going to cover a whole ton of ground, 28 verses and uh, you're going to get the best that I absolutely got, right? So, so I'm going to have you stick with me. But before we dive into the 28 verses, I want to talk to you about pinata anatomy. How many of you love pinatas? I thought about bringing a stick up here, but then I thought people might get scared because I start swinging around. How many of you like to get out your ruthless aggression on pinatas, right? How many of you like what comes out of pinatas, Right? I love just smarties are in the brain, and then, you know, it was Valentine's Day on Friday. Aww. Chocolate hearts right around the heart, and, and it has like worms in intestines. and Oh, but it's all kinds of candy goodness. How good is a pinata, though, if it's got nothing inside it? Like that's serious party foul, right? This is, a, this is a mess. If all of a sudden you have this amazing pinata, and you go up and you smack the thing and nothing falls out, complete and utter disappointment. Right? This is what Jesus is going to talk to us about and talks to his disciples about, talks especially to religious leaders about today. See, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, he is challenging particularly, particularly not only kind of the Roman world, but he's also challenging religiosity. He's challenging a, a faith that is built all about appearances, but doesn't have much in regards to substance. Later in Matthew, actually, Jesus will call the religious leaders whitewashed tombs. They look pretty on the outside, but got nothing but death on the inside. And so where we're going and what we're talking about this morning, as we cover all this ground, these 28 verses, right? Jesus is going to say, you know what, I'm concerned about what's going on inside of you. Right? As we're following Christ, he's not only trying to shape our identity, but he's trying to form our hearts. Because what's inside of us will dictate what comes out of us. Oftentimes, if we simply focus on what's on the outside and not the inside, we don't get to what we're trying to get. Amen? So let's go to Matthew, Matthew 5. I'm going to read the bookends. One picks up on where we've been, and, and one is the bookend. But 
Matthew 5, verse 20, and then 48. And there's a little formula that will follow today. Verse 20, for I tell you, Jesus says, unless your righteousness, your rightness, surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. He then will go through six different religious practices of the day. And as he goes through those, he goes, you know, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Right? He shapes and reshapes a conversation where the religious would be focused on an outward action. And sure, today we could have all kinds of conversations about the, onward, the outward action, but we're not. That's a whole, there are a bunch of other series. I want you to know this morning, there are going to be a lot of things that I don't say. So don't say what I'm not saying, okay? There's a lot of stuff I'm not going to say. We could have done a whole series just based on these verses alone. What I want for us to hear is what Jesus says, but I say. I want us to be reminded that Christ is trying to renovate our hearts. We can get stuck on conversations around the outward action and never deal with the inside. And Jesus said, that's where I want to be. That's where I'm coming for you. And then he says in verse 48, but be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is where i got to step back just a moment to last week. As you heard salt and light, Jesus talks about the law. We're anchored deeply this morning in this truth. That Christ is our righteousness. He is our rightness. So as we hear these words, we hear not something that's impossible. We hear something that's possible in Christ. Otherwise, it is impossible for us. He says, the reality of being perfect, the reality of being greater than these religious leaders, all of this, it's going to be found in me first. Right? When we look at the law, what we, when we look at what we hear today... I, I don't know about you, but I am going to be keenly aware, as I've gone through this week, I'm keenly aware, I'm a mess. (laughs) But see, the good news is that in Christ, I'm right before God. And the good news on the other side of that coin is, he's going to continue to work that out in me. And he's going to continue to work that life out in us. So let's get into number one. Matthew 5, starting in verse 21 We hear this, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago. There's that formula, you've heard that it was said long ago. You shall not murder, and if anyone who murders, anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So we could just have a conversation around that, or or we could say, hey, don't murder, and most of us would go, oh, cool, checkbox, I didn't do that, woohoo, right? I hope not, right? But I tell you, Jesus says, that anyone who is angry, oh, man. I think I've shared this before. I went to counseling for anger. That sucks. <laughs> right? I get off the hook with the murder thing, but now you're talking about being angry? Oh, cuts to the heart, doesn't it? Right? Maybe if we, I won't do this. How many of you have murdered someone? I'm not going to do that to you this morning. <laughs> but if I said how many of you ever gotten angry with somebody and, and as we'll hear, called somebody a fool or an idiot, right? Probably most of us will be raising our hands. Jesus says, I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Racha, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. 
first and go be first go and be reconciled to them and then offer your gift goes on to say settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taken you to court so now there there's another piece of of court and issues around that do it while you're still together or on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison Right? You might be trying to bring them to court, but in turn, you all know how that works, is sometimes it doesn't work out the way you expected. And he says, listen, this is why it's important to be reconciled to each other. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So Jesus, in these verses, the outward action that we could easily talk a ton about is whether or not we should murder <laughs> or whether or not we should be taking people to court. But see, Jesus isn't engaging that conversation. The religious leaders would want to do that because, well, that's an easy conversation to have. Instead, Jesus flips it and talks about an inward issue, anger and judgment. Like I said earlier, those are things that hit, seem to hit all of us. The first ones may not hit many of us at all. But man, when you start talking about the inward issue, it connects with us. But see, throughout Scripture, Jesus, again, in this Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5 so far, he's reminding us that he's the true salt and light, right? I can't be as right as the religious leaders. I can't. So in him, I find life, and then he'll work the life out in me. So what, what is he talking about? Where is he going with this? This is the heart renovation I think he's after, that we've received God's mercy, that means he didn't give us the punishment we deserved in Matthew 18. There's a great parable about this. A servant who owed everything and yet then the judge in the face of it let him off the hook. But this servant then goes to one of his friends and they owed him something and he went after him and didn't show mercy and in the end ended up going to jail. But see in God, in Christ, we have received mercy and reconciliation. Right? As we look at our own challenges with anger, with judgment of others, we all fall in that, right? We all are deserving of punishment, and yet God has given us mercy. And better yet, he's restored us to him in Christ. Christ continues in this sermon to go, hey, it's about me. And when you get that right in here, that will transform the outward stuff. Mercy and reconciliation are found in Christ. And then it's by his power that we can extend mercy and be reconciled. We can't simply just do it on our own by being told, hey, do this. We're anchored deeply in the work that Christ has done and is doing in us. Scripture continues in verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that if anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. Dang it again. Right? Come on. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about too because it goes on the other side, doesn't it? How many of you read those novels? No, I don't read those novels. <laughs> but here, outward action. There's another one that gets tossed in there, but we'll get there in just a second. It says, then Jesus says, man, so here, let me, let me even go deeper. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. 
Yay. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for you to lose your whole body and be thrown into hell. Man, I should be missing some eyes. Verse 30, if your right hand causes you to stumble, man, come on. Cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to have one part of your body than for your whole part to go into hell, right? He's saying this is an impossible task for us. When I'm getting to the heart issue stuff, we're all going to see, like we talked about last week, the law is a mirror that reflects our need for Christ. My inability, not my ability. And how good he is to love me and forgive me. And then this picture he wants to work out in me that is life. Right? How many of you would say this morning when we don't treat people like pieces of meat, the world's a better place? Amen? When we don't look at people as some way to fulfill our self and sense of self, the world's a better place. When I find my identity in something else that isn't depend on, dependent upon you, I can actually let you show up how you are and I can be who I am. And we can be together. That's why I'm going to keep this next one in this category. We could actually keep divorce in the conversation, too, of giving our word, which is the next one. But still, comes we hear this. It's been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. It's just simple. In that day and age, women were not seen as, while they were participants in the community, they were seen more as possessions than they were actually people. So again, to lust, it's no big deal. A guy could do that, but if a woman committed adultery, forget it, she's going to get stoned. There's this parable or this story with Jesus where the religious leaders take the woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus to be stoned, and you go, so I wonder how you caught her in adultery. Just saying. Right? But that was their life. And, and, and really, so if the woman wasn't satisfying in my marriage, I could just give her a, a certificate of divorce. She was there for my purposes as the husband. And if, if I was done with her, then I'm done with her. And Jesus then expands this whole covenant of marriage. He says, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality. Right? That's real. We know that. There's abuse. Again, we're not able to touch, about, touch on all pieces of what this is throughout Scripture. But listen, what happens is not only have you done this to her, but in doing this, you also make her a victim of adultery. And then anyone who marries her in this case, marries this divorce, they're now committing adultery. You see the, the compounding brokenness that takes place. So Jesus is, what, addressing adultery, cheating on your spouse, cheating on your wife, just getting rid of her when you're done with her, right? But he says, that's not the key issue. The key issue that touches all of our hearts are what? Lust. I want something else to fulfill me, self-fulfillment, selfishness, that you exist for me. Jesus in all of these passages are not only bringing us from a practice to bring honor to God, but also something that would show a love for our neighbor, a care for the other. This is what he's addressing. But the good news for us and the gospel and, the, and in Christ is this, that we can find our fulfillment in Christ. We don't have to go to another. Husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, Right? Young people who one day maybe will date. And some of you I know already and your parents are like, dear Lord, no. 
You don't need another person to, to make you who you are. You don't need another person in your life to give you your identity. That is in the God who created you, who loves you. That is the truth for all of us. So when we find our fulfillment in him, no longer do we have to treat others as objects that exist to fulfill us. See the importance of what we're talking about today. Christ is wanting to renovate our hearts. He's wanting to show us our life in him and then the life that will flow out. I'll tell you, in my journey in lust, I'll just be honest, I'm not afraid because God's good. I haven't solved my issues by going, don't do this. The issues have been solved by this truth, that God loves me. Because the more I said don't, the more I felt shame every time I did. And it was this, this cycle of self-destruction. And yet the reality was Jesus was freeing me and frees us from that cycle. And goes, man, I, I am everything you need. Keep finding that in me. And guess what? There's a whole lot less lust today than ever before. Because of his goodness and his grace. Praise God. Matthew continues in, in verse 33. Jesus says again, you've heard that it was said, people long ago do not break your oath. All right, so we're talking about giving your word. You're, you're saying, I'm going to do something. But fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, don't swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king, and do not swear by your head. <laughs> Could you imagine that? No, trust me, man. I swear on my head. Right? Not the, I swear on my mama's grave. Right? No, th that I've heard. I swear on my head. <laughs> But Jesus is saying, I don't care. I don't care what you put in, fill in the blank here. It, it isn't worth it. Don't swear on your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. Some of us would like to make some of it come back. Right? All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Oaths, swearing, making commitments. You know, oftentimes, I don't... I don't know about you, this happens a lot as a parent, right? I want to tell my kids what they want to hear, even though I know sometimes I can't keep that promise. No, we can do that tonight. And I know the reality of me being around tonight to watch that show, to play that game, isn't true. But I'm saying it because I don't want to own up to the fact that I'm not going to be there and I don't want to disappoint them. Parents, are you with me? Right? And you find yourself going, oh, but seriously, I'll do it, I'll do it. And they're smiling and you're like... Oh, I feel miserable. That was not true. Or you made it and then halfway through the day you realized you couldn't, right? This is the reality that Jesus is talking about. He goes, listen, we could talk about all of this, but what I want to get at is, is manipulation. You're manipulating a situation, oftentimes for yourself and your own gain. Then when we talk about integrity, it's doing what I say I'll do when I said I'd do it in a manner in which it was intended to be done. To do what I said I'd do when I said I would do it in a manner in which it was intended to be done. And yet, again, how many of you are raising your hand going, oh, crap. Right? Lord, why do you, can we just talk about the outward stuff? Right? Can we just focus on the outside of the pinata? <laughs> and yet he's bringing us again to a heart renovation. That we have a God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's Hebrews 13. 
We have a God who, when he gives his word, holds to it. A God who never has to use something. Like, if I have to swear on something else, I'm probably not so trustworthy, right? No, seriously, trust me. Have you ever, like, no, come on, come on, you got to trust me, right? It, it, it might mean that I might not be trustworthy. If I've got to do that, I mean, consistent. But listen, I stand on the one who is consistent. And if he's consistent, if he's full of integrity, if his track record is one where you can trust and depend on him, how much so do you think he wants to work that out for us? That we can stand in him. If he knew who he was, if he knew who, whose he was, his father's, he would say, hey, I come to do my father's will. It wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always easy. But he could stand in the one who loved him, and we can do the same. Right? Our integrity. Christ is wanting to shape, mold our hearts in that. Verse 38, we keep on moving through. We're almost there. You guys are doing really well. Nice job this morning. I want to say give yourself a hand. I won't. <laughs> You've heard that it was said, Jesus says. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. How many of you have heard that? Right, I said it, this was growing up with my sibling. You hit me, I'll hit you ten times harder. <laughs> Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek... Turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand it over. Not only that, hand your coat over as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn from the one who wants to borrow from you. Outward action, retaliation, fighting back. Right? A natural inclination, the religious leaders knew this, so let's make some laws that says it's permissible, right? Wouldn't you? <laughs> right? I want to fight back. I want to preserve what I have. And anytime I can create a system around me, that, so that's true, right? That's the inward issue. Justice and self-preservation. We want it. We want an eye for an eye. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. No, you can't have what is mine. And Jesus goes, hey, this is I'm gonna, we're going to get into some creative peacemaking, peacemaking solutions. We're going to get into a, a system that goes, yeah, absolutely. Man, if someone harms you, it is unjust. Won't you hear me say that this morning? Absolutely. But for us, we get to see that God's justice was poured out on the cross in Christ. That all of the judgment of the world took place when God took all of our sin upon himself. And it was his kindness that did, us, did that for us. And Isaiah it says that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. We deserve to be punished. We deserve God's justice and yet Christ took that upon himself because of God's kindness in generosity. So I wonder if we dwell in that, if we let that be something that rests in our hearts, how we might be able to then show compassion to others, even though sometimes they don't deserve it. In Romans, it says that when we show that kindness, even to our enemy, it's like heaping burning coals on their lap. Um, anybody want that to happen today? Right? No. Don't think so. So moving along, Jesus continues, verse 43. It says this, we are on our last one. 
Now I'm going to say, go ahead, come on. <laughs> You've heard that it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's a great law, right? That is oh, wonderful. <sighs> I'm going to love the people that I like and like me, and I'm going to hate the people that I don't. <laughs> and they were living that way. This was coming from the religious leaders. You've heard it said, this is, this is what you get to do. But Jesus isn't even going there. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and to the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will they get you? are not even the tax collectors doing that, right? And tax collectors in a Jewish mindset, man, they, were, they betrayed their very own people because they were often Jewish people working for the Roman government, taking money from you for the government. How many of us like it when the government takes money from us, right? Nobody does. <laughs> and yet they then take more money off the top. And Jesus is going... See, even the tax collectors like the people. That, uh, it's easy to like the people we like. But man, I'm telling you, pray for your enemies. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than the others? Don't even the pagans do that. And again, we hear these words. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're anchored in Christ's righteousness. But again, what is he doing? He's not getting rid of the law. Last week, verse 17 of chapter 5, Jesus says, I didn't come to... Abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. To fill them up. He's showing us how deep his work went. Like those who hate you hate those who don't, right? That's our, our outward action. We could have that conversation all day long, but Jesus says no. The inward is issue that hits all of us is hatred, hostility, division. And we like to make that permissible in our lives. We like to set up structures to say it's okay Jesus says it's not. For again, we who were once enemies of God are now his children. That's the reality of the gospel for us. How do you think we can love our enemies if we don't know that we were once enemies of God loved by him? How do you think we can love our enemies in and of our own powers? No, we make rules that say I don't have to. I'm going to need the power of God who could love enemies so much so that he'd die for them. I'm going to need his power in my life to transform my heart. He tears down the walls that divide. The only way we can get to that is by living in him. Pastor uh, A.B. Simpson says this, the greatest need of our age and of every age, the greatest need of every human heart is to know the resources and sufficiency of God. And I don't know about you today, Man, when we talk about these, not only the outward actions, some of us, the outward action hits us. But for all of us, those inward actions, the inward issues are real. And it, it, it opens some things. And maybe this morning it does open some things for you. But again, we're reminded that it's Christ's righteousness that is our rightness. He is the true salt and light who brings life into our lives. And he's not going to leave us where we are on top of that, right? Which is also a grace. He's going to continue to transform us. We're not uh, going forward going to be able to be in Matthew 6, but there's something that Jesus does in Matthew 6 that helps us then kind of go through this heart renovation. 
He says in the next few verses, he says, give to the needy. Why? Because, again, he's shaping how we not only love God on the outward side, but how we're transformed in our love for God and actually our love for neighbor. He says, take care of the poor. But then he goes into this, pray. How in the world does our heart be renovated by God? How does our pinata get filled? But resting in the one who is present with us and whose power is the only power that can transform us. Pray. Another thing that we can do is we can read the scriptures. We can listen to them. They are the very word of God. We We can eat them. We can chew on them. Not just for information's sake, right? That can be really religious really quickly, right? Checkbox. Okay, I did the cool outward, read your Bible today. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus wants. He just says, hey, this is my word spoken to you. Chew on it. Wrestle with it. Sit with it. Let it speak to you. Another thing that we can do is what we're going to do right now. We can participate in Christ's very body and blood. We can be reminded of the gift he's given to us, his resources, the sufficiency of his one sacrifice and his resurrection to not only rescue us, but to continue to transform us, to renovate our hearts. So let's together uh, have a word of prayer, and I'd like to invite those who are serving uh, to come forward as, as we're praying. But let's pray together. God, there's a lot there today. There's a lot in these words. I've had a week to wrestle with them, and it's still a lot. For many of us, we're hearing some things maybe for the first time. Some of us are, something got highlighted for us today. God, I pray that first and foremost, we would see the good news of your fullness in your life. That we would see your rightness that we would see you who is the true salt and light and that we'd actually be able to find rest. That as we pray to you, as we listen to the scriptures, God, that we would rest in your finished work, what you've done. And that we will also rest in the fact of what you will do, that you will continue to renovate our hearts. Thanks, God, for not just being concerned about outward actions, how good the pinata looks, but God, that you're actually concerned about what's going on inside of us that you can heal our hearts, you can heal our past, that you're there today for us in this very moment, that you'll be there tomorrow in our successes and in our failures, that you're gonna continue to give us life just as bread gives life to our body, just as juice, wine, Lord, the waters of baptism, we think about that, all of these things give us life, they preserve us, just as those things preserve us, you preserve us. So God, I ask now that as we come to this table, that we're reminded it's by your invitation that you've invited us out of love, that all are welcome in you, Jesus, and that we are nourished by you and you alone. When we're nourished, your life will flow out of us. So God, meet us through your Holy Spirit in this act of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.